0: everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash thebillpressshow.
1: Don began doesn't show up. Now, where is Robert Mueller? Let's get them all in. What do you say, folks? Can you believe it? Here we go on a Wednesday, Wednesday, May 22nd. Great to see you today. It is uh, the Bill Press Show. Uh, Yes, indeed. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., as always. This is our home base, but uh, we don't stay here. Uh Uh-uh. We jump out and end up right alongside of you anywhere you are in this great country of ours or anywhere you are on the planet, for that matter. Right alongside of you on your uh, electronic device, on your smartphone, on your computer, right alongside of you on your iPad or whatever. We're joining you also on the radio and on television. Where you are, we will find you. You can't escape. It's the Bill Press Show, but it's really good to have you with us today. And we got, as always, a lot to talk about, number one, and a great lineup of guests to help us through it. Yes, indeed. The Trump administration is doing everything it can, continues to do everything it can, to frustrate the efforts of uh, Democrats in the House of Representatives to uh, exercise their duties as an equal branch of government. The White House uh, keeping successfully convincing Don McGahn, former White House counsel, not to show up yesterday. And you know they're putting pressure on Robert Mueller not to show up either. But the Democrats are fighting back, and more and more Democrats say if that's the way they want to play it, then let's roll those impeachment hearings. All of that coming up here on the Bill Press Show. All of that you are going to want to comment on at BP Show on Twitter, at BP Show. And we look forward to your comments as we discuss the news of the day. But first. This is the Full Court Press.
2: All righty. Just a couple of other stories making news. Do you ever go to Sweet Green, Bill? Oh, yeah. I you like, like sweet sweet Green. Salad. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice place, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's,
1: they do a good job. You can... Have their sort of salads that they decide, you can make up your own.
2: That's right. Yeah, it's a fast, casual salad chain. By the way,
1: started by students to a couple of students from Georgetown.
2: Yeah, right here in the area. Started right here in Washington, D.C. Well, yesterday they made a big announcement. Any of their employees will Mm -hmm. now be eligible for five months of paid parental Leave. I mean, this is a big deal because if you're an employee and you have to go and take care of a family or you're starting a new family, you get five months of paid parental leave. Here's the uh, statement they put out, quote, at Sweet Green, mothers, fathers, adoptive parents, foster parents, and others with new additions to their families will now receive five months of fully paid parental leave. We believe it is our responsibility to lead the way, given that the United States is one of the few countries that does not mandate any paid leave for new parents. Good for them. Yeah, I mean that's a big deal. Now this has been it's a very
1: French, you
2: know. <laughs> there you go. Uh, A lot of Democratic candidates that are running for president have introduced some sort of paid Uh family leave bill, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand being one of them, Elizabeth Warren as well, uh, talking about that.
1: How sweet it is.
2: Yeah, yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, Are you a juice guy? Do you drink, like, your cup of orange juice in the morning? A lot of people do.
1: Uh, No, you and I drink uh, V8 in the morning.
2: Okay, all right, all right. Well, there is a new study that... uh, talks about... Trader
1: Joe's makes a VA code garden patch or something It's okay. really
2: good. Really well, there's good. a new study out that talks about some of the <laughs> health impacts of sugary beverages. And when we say sugary yeah. beverages, a lot of times we think soda, right. Yeah. soda. But they are saying, no, no. Also, even 100% natural fruit juices can lead to an increased risk of diabetes and early death because they are so sugary. Yeah. Obviously, if you like, you're eating fruit. You know, you're getting not as much of the sugary stuff, and you're getting fiber. But if you're eating, drinking just the juice, it's like pure sugar.
1: Look, I love fresh squoze and orange juice. It's right? So good. Oh, it is so good, but it is pure it's sugar. Not good for you. Yeah. It's not yeah. Not good for you. Try a uh, garden patch. Trader right. Joe's v <laughs> It's really good.
0: This is the Bill Press Show. And uh, the more the
1: White House uh, blocks efforts by Congress to do its job, the more Democrats and a whole slew of them yesterday coming forward to say, all right, let's start those impeachment hearings. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Hello and a welcome to the Bill Press Show this Wednesday, Wednesday, May 22nd. So great to see you today, hello, 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 and welcome to the program. It is The Bill Press Show, and we're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill. With all the news of the day, whether it's happening here in Washington, around the country, or around the globe, we're on top of it. We'll tell you what's going on with the help of our guests, and remember, you are the most important guests of all, and we'll have a just good round table discussion here about what's going on and all, what it all means to us. Ryan Riley, who covers Justice Department issues uh, from Huff, for HuffPost, will be along in studio with us a little bit later. Uh, Jason Dick from Roll Call will be here as a friend of Bill to help us through the second hour. And uh, Jason and I will be joined, and all of you too, by Eliza, Eliza Collins, who covers the Congress and the White House for USA Today. A uh, good group lining up, but again joining you, the most important of all, which is why we always encourage you take the time, whether you're watching us online on YouTube, youtube.com/ the Bill Press show. whether you're watching us on, whether you're watching us on television, I mean on television, yes, on free Speech TV, or listening on the radio statewide in Indiana, on Indiana talks or Chicago, Hello Chicago, hello WCPT. All of our great friends out there, welcome, welcome to the program. And again, radio, online, television, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, And don't forget, with a little over a week to go, before we wrap up our daily two hours in the morning together, uh, we want to be sure that you come along for the new podcast and you do so by making sure you're already signed up for our existing podcast at BillPressShow.com. Sign up for the podcast, BillPressShow.com. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter. We try to get out there uh, and join you on Twitter as often as we can. Uh, and uh, you can just sign up by going to uh, follow us at, B- at BP Show. At BP Show. All right. Yes, indeed. It was uh, not uh, not unexpected Uh, But Don McGahn, the former White House counsel, who is sort of one of the absolutely one of the star players in the Mueller report, where he testified for about 30 hours uh, back and forth several over several different times uh, to the uh, Robert Mueller and his team, where he told them that on two different occasions, Donald Trump basically uh, told him to break the law. Uh, told him to fire Robert Mueller uh, when McGahn refused, and the New York Times picked up, we're not sure who leaked that, the story of what Trump had done, uh, and then Donald Trump told um, John McGahn, uh, Don McGahn to lie, again to lie under oath that, no, I never told you to do that. No, the president never told me to do that. McGahn, pardon came very, very close to quitting his post, that's all detailed in the Mueller report. Of course, the House of Representatives, the House Judiciary Committee, which is, as directed by Robert Mueller, taking the next step and in investigating all these uh, allegations further, that's their plan at any rate, had called John McGann to testify. It looked like he was going to show up. But the Department of Justice said, you don't have to show up. We would prefer you not to show up. And then the White House put out a statement telling McGann we want you to follow the Department of Justice, uh, warning, admonitions, uh, almost blockade, and, and not testify. Uh, this pissed off the Democrats yesterday and left all, the, all of us sort of holding the bag. Uh, Chairman Jerry Nadler says you may not be here today, but we'll catch up with you sooner or later.
3: Let me be clear. This committee will hear Mr. McGann's testimony even if we have to go to court to secure it.
1: And why isn't he here uh, again, Jerry Nadler? Because Trump told him to lie.
3: The president has declared out loud his intention to cover up this misconduct. He told Mr. McGahn to commit crimes in his behalf. He told Mr. McGahn to lie about it.
1: And that is nothing short, says the chairman, of intimidating a witness which is itself a crime.
3: There are reports of the president and his lieutenants exerting other kinds of pressure on Mr. McGann. In short, the president took it upon himself to intimidate a witness who has a legal obligation to be here today. This conduct is not remotely acceptable.
1: Intimidating a witness, not remotely acceptable. And this is, again, part of the continuing effort On the part of Donald Trump himself, he's directing all of this to do anything he can, as we've been talking about for the last few days, to block any investigation, any hearings, to totally non uh, uh, adopt a policy of total non cooperation with the House of Representatives. Uh, The DNC yesterday uh, put out a list, by the way, this, this is not just with the House Judiciary Committee. Put out a list of 13 efforts where Donald Trump has obstructed, openly obstructed House investigations uh, As the, from the DNC's war room. Donald Trump is creating a crisis by repeatedly blocking Congress from doing its constitutional duty to provide oversight at, at, as an equal branch of government. In fact, Trump and his allies are blocking more than 20 separate House investigations. And they list—I'm uh, not going to bore you by reading all the details—they list, uh, list at least 13 times where Donald Trump has intervened. And that is having—by uh, the way, uh, the House is not just stopping there by um, inviting them to testify uh, if they don't— uh, Voluntarily respond. The House has issued subpoenas. Uh, and if they reject the subpoenas, refuse to comply with the subpoenas, as Don McGahn did yesterday, uh, then the House, there are other actions the House can take. Uh, the first would be holding them in contempt. Congresswoman Karen Bass from California yesterday saying um, this is probably going to come next for Don McGahn.
0: Obviously, the next step would be to uh, have the vote on contempt like we did with Barr.
1: Another thing they can do is they could uh, adopt fines for people who are declared in contempt of Congress. And, of course, they could ask the Justice Department to arrest those people and bring them in, which this Justice Department would never do. Uh, Those are sort of the steps, some of the steps in between steps they could do. The ultimate step, of course... Which, again, it looks like every day, it really looks like this is what Donald Trump wants, which is why I'm a little leery of it. But the ultimate step would be to start up an impeachment inquiry. Even if it doesn't lead to an impeachment vote, start up an impeachment inquiry, which does give the House full powers to demand these documents. And the White House would have to comply. They would fight it again, but the courts, I think, in that case would clearly side on the part of Congress because that is their constitutional duty, spelled out in the Constitution. And after yesterday, when McGahn didn't show up, there were more and more Democrats who came forward and who broke with Nancy Pelosi and came forward and said, no, it looks like we gotta go the impeachment route and start as soon as possible. Remember before, there were just like a handful, right? Uh, Congressman Al Green, who was in studio with us last week, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. He was,
2: I mean, he, he wanted he was, impeachment like the day that Trump was inaugurated. That's right, yeah.
1: And Maxine Waters did too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there were maybe Brad Sherman from California. There were at most, I think, a half a dozen, not even that. But now, others have signed on. I saw yesterday uh, Steve Cohen from Tennessee, very strongly. We'll hear from him in just a minute. Our good friend Dan Kildee from Michigan. Um, said, and he's told us in studio at one time he was not ready for impeachment, but he's, he's, he's turned around after watching what the White House is doing. Also, our good friend Pamela Jayapal from Washington State, Joaquin Castro from uh, Texas, Mary Kay Scanlon from Pennsylvania, Katie Hill from California, Harley Ruda from California, all came out yesterday again uh, breaking with the speaker uh, and saying, we we have no choice now. We have no other option but to start impeachment hearings. Um, Steve, Steve Cohen, uh, aforementioned from Tennessee, says, remember that as we talked, even one Republican has come out, Justin Amash from Michigan. Steve Cohen says, Justin's got it right.
2: Mr. Amash was correct. It's good that he read the Mueller report. We all need to read the Mueller report. I have read the Mueller report. It's a clear statement of misdeeds and illegal behavior by the president. And the- you know, by, by the way, the thing about that, that that is so interesting to me is impeach or not impeach. okay? I understand that it looks like Donald Trump wants these impeachment hearings uh, and and yeah, it should make people a little leery of them. but at the same time, this is Congress's job, right They are they, yeah. this is what their job is. And Justin Amash didn't say, let's have impeachment hearings right away, he said Donald Trump committed things that are impeachable. Justin Amash did a better job of making the case for impeachment than any member of the Democratic leadership. He's also
1: far ahead of most Democrats on this. Yeah, thing. but, yeah. like, look, yeah. if
2: you're a member yeah. of the Democratic leadership, <laughs> it should not be that hard to say Donald Trump has done things that are impeachable. Now, whether or not you take that step to actually impeach, yeah. it's a different story. Yeah. But, like, to they're not making that case. No. They're to losing it. the war.
1: I have to point out, that to his credit, Jerry Nadler has said that. Jerry Nadler yes. said flat out, there's no doubt he has committed impeachable offenses. But you're right. Uh, for the most part, that message hasn't gotten out there. Um, and um, as more members yesterday were saying, okay, look, this is the way this guy's going to fight. We have no choice but to do this. Uh, Congressman Al Green, again, as we, whom we just mentioned, uh, basically said, welcome aboard. A
3: good many members are now considering <laughs> joining the impeachment <laughs>
1: effort. And I salute them. I am more than honored to say that you can never be too late when it comes to being on the right side of history and the right side of justice. All right, there he is. I love that statement. Yeah, very, mm, very he, welcoming here too. Agree or disagree with him? My, he's he's a classy guy. He knows my, what he's doing. My brothers and sisters, we welcome you to the Church of Impeachment. Even if you're <laughs> a little late getting here. Uh, yes, indeed. And uh, on the political front last night, uh, Big Town Hall first on CNN with Beto O'Rourke out in uh, Iowa. And he got the impeachment question and he got
0: the biggest applause line of the night. We should begin impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump. Not something. <laughs> not something that I take lightly uh it's it's an, an incredibly serious sober decision that we should make as a country really the last resort when every other option has failed us and at this point where the president has refused to respond to any subpoena where his attorney general will not testify where he will not furnish other witnesses so that we can find out what happened to this great democracy in 2016
1: good point by beto O'Rourke last night Now, this should all bubble up today, uh, which should be very interesting, that uh, this morning the Speaker has called a caucus of all Democrats uh, to talk about the progress that they're making in the hearings, or lack of progress, uh, to get a report, Uh, and you can bet, and we'll be watching that very carefully, that there will be um, several members, more and more members maybe stand up uh, and suggest... To the Speaker, uh, that um, she's got to step things up, or that she uh, is maybe being too cautious about proceeding with impeachment. So certainly, the demand for impeachment hearings is growing. We'll see how that works. Uh, and meanwhile, the House Judiciary Committee yesterday did issue two more subpoenas uh, for people to testify, those who are, again, major players in the Mueller report. One is a former communications director. Uh, and longtime Trump aide, back from the campaign days, uh, Hope Hicks, the president uh, really sort of adopted his daughter almost. She was one of the very first ones to sign on to the Trump campaign. Uh, Hope Hicks, again, she ended up being, a, for a brief period of time, the communications director in the White House. And then Annie McDonald, who was the deputy White House counsel under Don McGahn. Uh, my guess is both of them will... Um, not test well will not willingly come forward. Uh, they will also be encouraged by the White House, of course, not to if they haven't already uh, been gotten that message. Uh, and uh, that's going to be another battle, which may go all the way to the courts. But eventually, we will hear from them too. Uh, so that little effort continues there um, on the investigation front. One interesting thing I just wanted to point out is that uh, remember we remember that Steve Mnuchin last week said, "Here's another." case where Donald Trump blocking an investigation, one of 20 investigations underway. The Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said, "Um, we're not going to release the tax returns. Uh, We can't release the tax returns because there's no legitimate legislative purpose uh, concerned, he said. And Donald Trump has said, of course, I'm not going to release my tax returns because I'm under audit and I've always been under audit, which is a BS argument. Uh, At any rate, uh, the New York Times reporting this morning that or I'm sorry it was the Washington Post reporting this morning they got a hold of a uh, an internal memo written by the IRS to the White House this is the IRS to the White House and the Treasury Department their boss uh, Steve Mnuchin where the IRS attorneys say if Congress asks for the tax returns we have no choice but to give them the tax returns they totally refute what Steve Mnuchin said. They totally refute what Donald Trump said. These are the experts. These are the attorneys for the Internal Revenue Service. And they said read the law. It's clear. And by the way, it is clear. Cong- if Congress asks, it says the IRS commissioner shall, shall, not may, shall give those tax returns over to Congress. That battle. Is not over re- yet. That is sort of heating up as well. Um, well, Ben Carson. Somebody did testify yesterday. Maybe the White House should have blocked Ben Carson from testifying. So here's the guy. <coughs> he is the chairman. Ooh, what's going on? He is the chairman of HUD Housing and Urban Development. He's the person in the in the administration responsible for dealing with all the housing issues, development issues, real estate issues. You would think he would know something about the real estate industry. Why would you
2: think that? Why would you think that? that, You're only the head of housing department. And urban development. Seriously, (laughs) come on.
1: Yesterday, he has a little exchange with Congresswoman Katie Porter from California, who does know something about real estate. Here's your man, Ben Carson. I'd also like you to get back to me, if you don't mind, to explain the disparity in REO rates. Do you know what an REO is?
4: An Oreo? R, (laughs) not an Oreo, (laughs) an
1: R-E-O, R-E-O. Real real estate? I love Oreos. What's the O stand for? Organization owned, real estate owned. That's what happens when a property goes to foreclosure. We call it an REO. How, what what oh, planet
2: yeah. are we living on?
1: Yeah, and you know, it just proves you don't have to be a brain surgeon to be Hudson. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean <laughs> Oreo. I mean like it, cookies. I love it, Oreos. Yeah. The Oreo
2: line is laughable and and it's very bad. But then, but then he like the to me the worst part is when she clarifies and yeah, says R E O he cookie. says real estate organization. Yeah. Yeah. REOs are like when, a big part of the housing they're market.
1: They're a big part of the housing market because when anybody goes into foreclosure, right? When a bank kicks over a property, Uh, Or some financial institution or lenders take back a property, they are listed, they're listed and they're sold as REOs, meaning owned by the bank, real estate owned at any rate. Uh, The laughable uh, Ben Carson, what a joke that this guy is there. Uh, Yesterday, just to show that Planned Parenthood and other organizations and the women of America are not going to let the red states. Uh, and particularly the state of Alabama or the John Roberts Court, take away their reproductive rights and roll back the clock. Big rallies held yesterday all over the country, uh, and particularly here in Washington, D.C., in front of the Supreme Court, to um, make clear they're going to stand and fight all of these efforts, either the fetal heartbeat laws that are passing in state after state or the draconian measure down in Alabama. And most of the 2020 presidential candidates, I think all of them who were in town yesterday, uh, showed up at the uh, Supreme Court, in front of the Supreme Court for a big rally led by Planned Parenthood. Uh, Peter Ogburn was even there, and he's not running for president. <laughs> um, yet. Yet, yet? <laughs> right. Uh, here's a couple of them. Amy, Amy Klobuchar. These guys think they're going to take women's health care backward, and are we going to let them? We are not. And Kirsten Gillibrand was there as well. This is the beginning of President Trump's war on
5: women. If he wants this war, he will have this war, and he will lose.
1: He will lose this war. From Ohio, another candidate, Congressman Tim Ryan.
5: I will join you. I will.
1: Uh, at that uh, town hall I mentioned, out uh, in Iowa, Beto O'Rourke also said that he would, uh, he, he just said he would have a litmus, t- lit- litmus test, uh, were he elected, uh, for every judge that he appointed to any federal court or to the Supreme Court, that they would have to first uh, tell him that they believe Roe v. Wade is settled law of the land and should not be touched, should not be overturned. Uh, at another rally up in New York, uh, now, presidential candidate, mayor of New York, uh, Bill de Blasio, weighing in as well.
2: Hands off the rights of women. Do you agree? Say hands off. Hands off. Hands off. Hands off.
1: Hands off. Uh, so they. It was good. You know, it was good to see that yesterday because uh, so far all we've heard is state after state after state, as if there's no uh, opposition against it. Um, the polls yesterday that I that I saw. Uh, with um, CBS should sort of make any politician uh, think twice about joining this little bandwagon to either restrict or to ban uh, abortion uh, uh, and move the clock backwards and reverse Roe v. Wade. Um, Among overall 67% Of Americans, 67 percent, Republicans and Democrats in this latest CBS poll reported last night, say leave Roe v. Wade just the way it is, 67 percent. So, um, you know, it's just a minority of Americans who still want to fight that battle among uh, uh, party party lines. Eighty seven percent of Democrats say leave it the way it is. Forty five percent of Republicans say leave it the way it is. Uh, among men 65% of men say leave it the way it is 69% of women leave it the way it is so clearly the american people are saying this is not this has been resolved this is a this is settled law n- n- we don't want to have this war all over again i've said it before i'll say it again i think it's suicidal for republicans to decide that this is going to be their big issue for 2020 it's now, also- they want to lose they want to lose even more women yeah. and more edu- particularly educated uh republican suburban women that uh, fine have at it
2: it's it's also a good reminder that you can never really let up on these fights oh no right That's like right. they're going to keep coming for these things yeah. they've been coming for this
1: they're like cockroaches forever they will i mean they'll crawl out from under the woodwork yeah. as soon as they have a chance yeah you can never they'll do it on this they'll do it on gay marriage they'll do it on guns i'll never no, they'll yeah. never give up yeah and you just gotta uh keep keep, keep it up uh, one other thing on the uh, twenty twenty front, I thought was interesting yesterday. That uh, so uh, last Saturday up in uh, up in Philadelphia, uh, Joe Biden talking about uh, Kim Jong Un from North Korea. Uh, he called him uh, a dictator and a tyrant. That's sort of garden variety talk, right? For Kim Jong Un. Anyhow, uh, Kim Jong Un fired back yesterday uh, at Joe Biden. Uh, he called Joe Biden a fool of low IQ. That sounds like a Trump tweet Well I was going to say That Donald Trump called Joe Biden Another low IQ individual So it sounds like Kim Jong-un now is just picking up Donald Trump's talking points uh, And making it against Joe Biden Rudy Giuliani also has called Joe Biden A mentally deficient idiot Um, So I think they all have Kind of the same (laughs) The same uh, talking points and while we're, while we're at it, um, one other little uh, poll that I found of interest uh, from uh, Politico this morning. So, you know, a lot of Democrats are split about whether they should go on Fox. Bernie did. Pete Buttigieg did. Amy Klobuchar did, right? Uh, she either
2: did or has it coming I up. I don't did. remember. Whatever. Her, but she might have done it.
1: For her. Anyhow. But Elizabeth Warren said, no way. No way. Uh, Kamala Harris said, no way am I going to go on Fox. So there's a little split. Should we or should we not? Uh, So Politico did a poll of uh, Democrats, Democratic activists. Do you think Democratic candidates should agree to go in a town hall on Fox? Okay. 17% said no. 17. So most Democrats don't give a damn, right? Sure, whole I think this whole fight is silly. Uh, I've said it before. Look. Go on Fox. You're not going to change your point of view. Just go on Fox and make the case, and you might reach some people that you wouldn't reach otherwise. Um, that's why I used to go on Fox when they invited me. They don't invite me anymore. All right. Lots and lots more to talk about all these issues of, uh, re- related to um, the constitutional crisis. Some people say we are already in. Ryan Riley, to shed some light on that, he's senior justice reporter for HuffPost. He joins us next here. On the Bill Press Show. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Wednesday, May 22nd, the Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program here. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., and brought to you today, the Bill Press Show. Brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees. President J. David Cox presiding over the nation's largest federal employee union, those men and women who keep our federal agencies running day in and day out. They are proud to get up and work for America every day. Uh, we salute them, thank them for their support, and direct you to their website at afge.org. Uh, and joining us here in the studio, uh, talk about a lot of the justice issues, uh, and there are a good deal of them running around, flying, floating around today. Ryan Riley is the senior justice reporter for HuffPost. Hello, Ryan.
4: Hello, thanks for having me. All right,
1: good to see you. Um, and uh, we've got certainly lots and lots to uh, talk about here, um, starting maybe with uh, the former White House counsel, Don McGahn, not showing up yesterday. No surprise, huh?
4: Not Yeah, not hugely surprising. I think that, you know, that was sort of late. I mean, once they he had that instruction that he didn't have to, Show up. There is this, you know, office of legal counsel opinion of, right, you know, <laughs> yeah, of some controversy about whether or not he had to show up or not. Um, but you know, we've been through this sort of thing before. There's been times when there, you know, when um, previous um, White House officials have been called to testify and they haven't for whatever reason. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think there will be a debate going back and forth over this for for a bit. This isn't. He over.
1: is a private citizen. He is. So he could show, right?
4: Yeah, I think he could show um but if he's instructed based on you know his, based on his obligations as a lawyer, I think that he couldn't um necessarily um it, I, like he, he could he could decline to answer questions, right? But he yeah. would, I, the, I think the issue Did they cite <clears throat>
1: executive privilege?
4: They haven't exactly. It or they haven't ex, they've like danced yeah. around the issue yeah, yeah, of executive right. privilege to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Um has been sort of looming, but they haven't said, you know, we're invoking it. They said Barr wrote this letter previously, sort of more broadly saying that he, you know, reserves the right essentially to invoke executive privilege. Um, I think what's really going to get dicey for them is because they opened up and said, you know, to the Mueller investigation, um, you can't really draw that line. You can't, you know, the horse doesn't go back in the barn, right? Like once you say that once they gave all these interviews and they turned over these, these documents, you can't say, oh, now we're invoking executive privilege. They've sort of already waived it. Uh, for the for the issues that they spoke about, right. um, there may be some like issues on the margins that weren't spoken, but anything directly addressed in the Mueller report, I think they've sort of already you know that, right. the cats out of the yeah bag
1: you're right the ho- cats out of the bag yeah. the horses out of exactly. the barn or uh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> right. yeah uh, whatever cliche we use there yeah. but now so failing to comply with the subpoena, which Don McGann had to testify, uh, what are the options that Congress has? Uh, to follow uh, what can they do about it?
4: Yeah I mean they can can hold them in contempt um, which you know practically speaking I mean mm, not a ton right because that's going to get referred back. Doesn't look good on your resume. It doesn't look good on your resume. I mean there's civil contempt which they could play out in the court that happened in um, the Fast and Furious matter with um, former Attorney General Holder Um, but that took like six years basically to settle Um, and also I mean you know in terms of you know, resume, I think he, he did okay afterwards. But yeah, after I don't think he's hurting um, today. Yeah, um, I don't think that, you know, that didn't really have much practical effect on his career. Um, so I think that that's probably, you know, under consideration. The criminal contempt part is basically they make a referral to the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, who is an employee of Donald Trump. <laughs> of of Donald yeah. Do so, um, yeah, there's not going to be a prosecution can there. Can they find them? They can. There, there's like that inherent contempt thing that they've talked about, um, whether that's enforceable or not or not is sort of up in the air. Um, but Could is, they
1: send the federal marshals out to arrest them? No. I mean,
4: no. uh, yeah, I mean, right. like they, you know, they have. The, yeah, there's I, practically no. I mean, they have that cell, but I, I don't think that that's any, really going to be in the realm. You're not going to want this like standoff between, you know.
1: So what you're saying is that the Trump administration has probably figured out that they can just defy. Uh, any efforts, and they're certainly trying now yeah. on the part of Congress, and get away with it.
4: Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, to be honest, a lot of this is – because we already know sort of what happened in the in the Mueller report. I feel like a lot of this is like reminding people in the optics of this, right? Because, I like, Dom again, I think that there would be some – there could be some potential valuable testimony that he would give that wasn't already revealed in the Mueller report, right, that goes sort of beyond that. But the meat of the matter is in that is in that report, like it's cited in notes, right? So a lot of this, I think, politic is. I mean, it's a political battle, right? At this point, and the Dems are sort of dancing around whether or not they want to go down the impeachment route. It doesn't seem like they they do. So basically, this is about continuing to highlight how corrupt the Trump administration they is in their view. So they. Will bring that, you know, they want those TV moments. And I think that that's sort of what this is because, you know, if you polled Americans today, I don't know how many of them would know about that particular part of the Mueller report and how, you know, what Domagan did. But if you have his testimony and and a televised, you know, that would have been a big moment. So now we've seen that yesterday with the Hope Hicks subpoena. Um, They want her to testify publicly. That's going to be another battle. So they're sort of setting these up and, I think that there's going to be uh, Hope Hicks is a little bit of I think a tougher um, argument for the government to make um, in terms of you know protecting her because she wasn't a lawyer for the um, mm-hmm. the president she was just you know his assistant um, so I think it's going to be a little bit of a tougher but they'll go for it you know right They're going to uh,
1: so they uh, in addition to Hope Hicks, of course he issued a subpoena to the deputy White House former deputy White House counsel. Uh, Annie McDonald, yeah, and, chief of
4: staff, I believe. Yeah, chief of staff to
1: a uh, deputy chief of staff, right? Yeah, they, or uh, Ch-
4: chief of staff to Dom McGann, I believe. Oh, that's yeah. okay. Or, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And that will in um, the White House Counsel's office. That, of course, will be contested uh, by the White House. But she was the, the
4: one. Just a reminder: she was the one. I think that, um, if you if you are familiar with the if, people, if you were, if you know listeners are familiar with the Mueller report, she was the one who took extensive notes on the conversations between um, McGahn and Trump. And at one point, said beginning of the end question mark um, when you know there is the in the middle of a lot of this this Russia stuff. So some of her notes were really interesting, and you know saying things are sort of spiraling out of control and that Trump hmm. was really upset. So her notes were, yeah, really interesting.
1: All right. But they're all little fish compared to Robert Mueller, mm-hmm. right? Now, Robert Mueller, um, why wouldn't he testify? He ba- Basically, his report said, I can only take this so far, Congress, now it's up to you, yeah. right? Uh, he, yeah, he's an employee of the Justice Department, but he wasn't working for Donald Trump.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that he's really this, like, he really is this, like, just guy doesn't want to be, like, pulled into these political issues. And I think that he's going to stay within the four corners of the Mueller report when he testifies. He will testify to what this report says. He will have this, like, you know, he will have everything in his brain and he will go to the book and when, if there's an issue that he wasn't sure what got in the report, what didn't, he'll probably go back and consult with, you know, a lawyer sitting next to him and check it was in the report. And he's not going to go beyond those. But those I think
1: the key question that people want to ask him is. OK, you said because the Office of Legal Counsel says you can indict the president, mm-hmm. you decided you were not going to come down to uh, accuse the president of obstruction or to or to let him off the hook, right. either one or you're not going to take a stand. Mm-hmm. Were you not bound by that Office of Legal Counsel opinion? What would you have done? Is that what the the House really wants to hear?
4: And he is going to dodge the hell out of that. <laughs> one. He will not. He will not touch that. Because I mean, that's the whole thing is the idea that the the premise behind the OLC opinion. And I think that there was this dispute between Barr and Comey, or sorry, Bo, um, Barr and Mueller, rather, um, whether or not you know that was if it you know. But for the OLC opinion, I think was the was the phrase mm-hmm. uh, that was used um, mm-hmm. with this. And I think that. The report sort of raises the idea that it was the OLC opinion, but also they kind of agreed with the premise of the OLC opinion, right? That they thought that the you know it wasn't so it wasn't just this document; it was also the underlying legal theory behind it that you can't indict the sitting president. So that was more of the the issue. Um, But you know the idea is that they don't you know it wouldn't be fair to the president if they came out and said you know. There's some wrongdoing here. We would have indicted if they say, you know, we would have indicted him if he's not. But unless he was the president, that's sort of saying that he committed a crime, but without giving him his day in court. Right. Um. So I think he's going to, you know, not touch that with a ten foot Will.
1: Uh. So do you think he'll testify at all?
4: I think. Um. It seems like they're willingly. Tra- I mean, willingly. Yeah. I think that they're trying essentially to move towards more of a perhaps. Um, Uh, like a behind-closed-doors situation. Yeah, um, yeah. That might be what they end up going for. Right. But we'll see. (laughs) Uh, I know.
1: (laughs) There was, on a related front, um, and someone has already testified, uh, Michael Cohen, the last time he was in front of Congress, uh, admitted that he lied, and uh, one of the things he lied about was this real estate deal in uh, trying to get a new Trump Tower built in uh, Moscow that where he had originally he lied to Congress by saying he stopped all those negotiations mm-hmm. early in the spring, when Donald Trump was really you know getting to be a serious candidate for president, and as a matter of fact, uh, he had continued those negotiations all the way up to like election day, right? right? Uh, and he admitted he lied about that. Mm-hmm. A couple of days ago, uh, we find out because I guess those transcripts the or, transcripts yeah. came forward. That Jay Sekulow, White House attorney, he says, told him to lie about that. Is that intimidating a witness? Is that a crime? Where do we go with that? What does that mean?
4: It's unclear. I mean, the problem there is if it's a one-on-one situation, you have, like, immediate credibility issues with uh, with Cohen, right, because he's admitted lying to Congress, admitted lying um, right. to the Fed. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that that's sort of the issue is that um, is it reliable or not, you know? his testimony on that. If it's just, you know, if it's he said, he said. Right. It might not necessarily be something that a prosecutor would be for, uh, comfortable going forward with.
1: Well, but it, it, it does, there's a pattern here, right? I mean, um, Don McGahn says that Donald Trump asked told him to lie to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Michael Cohen, I believe, testified that Donald Trump told him to lie about the payments to um, to the... To the um, Stormy Daniels right. and Karen McDougal, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, uh, and I don't know whether maybe Donald Trump, I, I forget whether he testified, Cohen testified to the fact that Donald Trump told him to lie about what was happening with Moscow as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really were um, telling people who worked with them either not to cooperate with Mueller or to lie about stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, is that, is, isn't that there some criminal activity there? <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one, I think, because, you know, I mean, in terms of Trump's inst- uh, instructions, like, you know, he is the the president. I think that OLC opinion still sort of applies. Um, but it's certainly something that Congress can dive into and, and examine and, you know, further question. Obviously, that's going to be difficult to further question uh, Michael Cohen because he's currently a federal inmate. Um, yeah. But and will be for the next, you know, foreseeable future. Um, so. That's gonna be a tough one for them to sort of go back to. I suppose they could have some sort of deposition when he's uh behind bars. But I think the the issues with reliability there are, you know, gonna be that the immediate comeback to that is gonna be, you know, this guy's guy who admitted already to lying to Congress. Why are you gonna believe him now?
1: Right. You know? Now you alluded to this earlier and I wanted to ask you about that, but uh so with McGahn yesterday, for some Democrats that was the straw that broke the camel's back, yeah. right. All right, it's pretty clear they're not going to cooperate with us in any way whatsoever. Right. Everything we try to do, however politely, following the rules, Mm -hmm. they try to block it, and there's only one option left. And Mm -hmm. yesterday, probably half a dozen Democrats came out and said, sorry, Madam Speaker, you know, we're not not going to just sit here any longer. We really think we should start impeachment hearings or at least an inquiry. Right. Uh, even David Cicillini who is part of the leadership at mm-hmm. that. So is that where we're going? And uh, by the way, and maybe you can speak to this. What's the difference when they say an inquiry as opposed to impeachment hearings?
4: Yeah, I think the inquiry is like the <clears throat> basically they can get more of a legal backing for obtaining more documents is the theory. Um, so if they started, a, you know, an inquiry then that's that's sort of the middle ground, I think. To a certain extent, because you, you know it'll still they'll still be attacked for you know oh they're going to impeach the president, but practically I mean the president's not going to be impeached. I mean look at the Senate, right? So you know I think that that could get them basically more authority to sort of you know be looking into this issue um, and maybe give them a little bit more political standing. And you know we're not just, we're examining this, we're not just trying to take him down. We're looking into this yada yada. Um, I think the attacks will still come, but it could give them more of a basis, basically a legal basis too examine more of uh what's going on here
1: right um and if they do that um then they can um i guess under the constitution right that that that, that it's well it's harder for a white house to stiff arm an impeachment inquiry than uh, um your garden variety house judiciary hearing right right
4: yeah, that, I think that's the theory. Yeah, or that's the hope, at least. I mean, but they've been stiff-arming everything so far. So, I mean, that would be. I think that would might end up being, you know, again, in a court battle. I think a lot of these things are just going to end up being court battles that you know that take up a bunch of time. And um, I think that there might be some because of you know the importance of this matter. There, are, some of them might be sped up a little bit, and we might not see like a six well, you know six year argument. Gonna, but yeah. yeah, I was
1: going to ask you that because Maxine Waters <laughs> made the congresswoman Maxine Waters made the point yesterday that. This is the way Donald Trump handled his business. This is the way he's running the White House. Um, if you got a little problem, you sue, 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 sue. Right. Hopefully, tying it up in the courts and just outlast, you know, the other side. Right. Uh, and it's certainly run the clock through 2020. In this case, uh, will there be? Could it, is there any priority for constitutional issues like this? Mm-hmm. I mean, for example, this week when the court ruled. On the financial documents mm-hmm. that Mazar's USA or whatever it is has to turn over the financial records, which mm-hmm. the White House is appealing. Right. But that decision came pretty fast.
4: Yeah, it did. I mean, that'll, I think it'll still be appealed, but that did, that came pretty quick. Yeah, I think that that could be a possibility that the courts could see this as, you know, a matter of urgency um, and sort of speed, try to speed this up a little bit, but I still think we're. You know, in for certainly some delays here, and I mean, remember the clock is sort of you know is is ticking um, to 2020 for sure, <laughs> right? Um, so you know, once you get a little bit, especially closer within that, you know, year to year out time frame, I think that you know a lot of these issues are going to be delicate, and are the, is the court going to want to jump in a you know into this matter when there's you know an election underway, right? We could get and in back into some of the debates that we had um, during the 2016 election about you know whether or not people not wanting to look like they're swaying the the election at the last minute.
1: Right. Uh, Ryan Riley, so this from HuffPost, HuffPost.com, as where you can follow him and all of our good friends over there. So yesterday, um, uh, uh, the Washington Post reported that they obtained a memo uh, from an IRS memo from the Council of the IRS yeah. about the tax returns issue. So we know that Donald Trump has said all along, I can't release my tax returns because I'm under audit, which right. we know is a BS argument. Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, in response to the subpoena issued by the House Financial... uh, uh, No, the Ways and Means Committee, I Mm -hmm. guess, under Richard Neal, Mm -hmm. went after tax returns. And he missed two deadlines, and he finally came out, the Treasury Secretary, and said, "Uh, we can't release these because there's no legislative purpose involved in asking for the tax returns. This internal memo... Mm -hmm written by the IRS people to the question of whether we have to release them or not, says it a little differently, doesn't it? Yeah,
4: I mean, it's a pretty cl- – I mean, yes, that memo is really interesting, um, but also it's a pretty clean issue. Like, they have to turn it over. It's not <clears> – <throat> there's really not much political debate here. Like, it's just not. Like, this is the way that the law is written. It's a pretty clear law. I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room on it. Um, but the law says find the it.
1: commissioner shall right. turn over those documents, not right. may. Right. Right? It's
4: pretty clean, yeah. It's like this – you know, it's like <laughs> – this very law, but it's pretty clear what the legislative intent of it, this law was, and you know,
1: yeah. which is what the IRS staff counsel right, right in this memo, right, which I guess was sent to Mnuchin and to the White House. If Congress asks for them, we got no choice. We have to turn them over.
4: Right, and there's also apparently mm-hmm. a justice department legal opinion saying that you know i uh, apparently that you don't have to turn it over but they haven't been willing to provide that to the public which is interesting to me which makes me think that there's you know some nuance to this opinion um written internally because i think that you know even olc which is uh, the office of legal counsel which is generally pretty willing to go along with you know whatever the administration wants to do it seems like be- I would get. I would. I would venture that based on their unwillingness to provide that underlying legal opinion, that there's maybe some nuance to this argument, or maybe it's not of as clean of a, um, you know, issue as they would say. You know, we don't have to turn these over. Maybe that's an opinion that, you know, the administration doesn't necessarily want out there because, you know, at the very least, it would say, this is complicated, it's unsettled, or something of that nature. Or maybe the opinion just says straight out, you know, yeah, you have to turn them over. Right. And they're just right. not obeying it.
1: Right. Uh, but you think we will see the tax returns?
4: Uh, um, I think that uh, out of the court stuff, there might—I mean, I think that they're going to fight. He's going to fight it to the Supreme Court. But it's also a good, you know, political issue for um, for Dems because you know they can—you know—there's something there, right? If he doesn't want to show these these returns, there's a reason he doesn't want to show them. Uh, whether it be that you know he's not as wealthy as he says he was, um, or you know, a variety of other uh, you know issues that it could. Um, it could raise in terms of conflicts of interest, um, but yeah, I think that I think that I would venture that we. I guess I think we would see them. I'm yeah, not. I mean, yeah. It's. I think that the court's going to have a tough time coming down and saying that this law doesn't mean what it says it
1: means. Doesn't apply to uh, to Donald Trump now. Um, with all this talk uh, today and this little constitutional crisis, some people say we're already in uh, between the executive branch. And the Congress and whether or not the president, um, and this is a perennial question under every administration, whether the president might be abusing his powers. Certainly Republicans accused Barack Obama of doing so mm-hmm. during his presidency. The one thing that everybody would agree is the president does have the power to pardon. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of an unlimited power, right? Yes. depends on how you use it, but he's got it. Um, and the president, President Trump, has has pardoned some issued some questionable pardons, shall we say, that look like they're more political than based on what is traditionally right. the Department of Justice identifying people who are wrongly, been wrongly accused or wrongly right. convicted. Um, and so we've seen a few political pardons. Now, eyebrows are being raised because the president reportedly is considering pardoning two members of the military, um, one Navy SEAL and one Army Captain, Army Major, who were charged with premeditated murder by military courts yeah. and pardoning these two war criminals I mean I guess he can right uh,
4: yeah I mean he can under the constitution it's a political it's a political issue whether or not you know he should I guess or you know that's... I mean this is,
1: this is a I mean this is a first of all a slap in the face of the Pentagon and the military justice system yeah if nothing else, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you want to look into some military justice issues, you know, Guantanamo is also a place to look at. Oh yeah, uh, in terms yes. of what's going yes. on down there. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I th- I think that, the, and what's extraordinary about it is, of course, the backstory for how um, this sort of came about, which is, you know, a Fox and Friends, you know, weekend host um, pushing him on these right um, these issues, and it's interesting what kind of role, you know, you th- we I wrote a story last year for um, another member of the military who was prosecuted um, by the Justice Department actually um, and his case involved he took some photos um, on a submarine that he wasn't supposed to take um, was in sort of undercover situation um, and the real reason that they prosecuted him wasn't um, there was a classified situation rather he shouldn't have been taking photos of this um, nuclear submarine um, but did he
1: share them with Soviets or
4: something like that no but the real reason that he got prosecuted is because he was interviewed about this and after he, you know, so he lies in the interview, after uh, he lies in the interview, he goes in, um, tosses and bury and goes into, you know, deep into the woods outside his family's backyard and buries these things in the like buries a smashed laptop and, you know, whatever in the um in the woods with like a camera or something. Um so that's probably the reason why they prosecuted him, because you know, you can't do that. Yeah, that's a cover right, right? it's a cover right. up if he I doubt <laughs> if I, I highly suspect that if he had sort of come clean and said I made a mistake here that no one's going to want to take that, you know, that case. That isn't a good case for the Justice Department. Um, but what his what his lawyer did after he and served some time for this, after his after he got out, what his lawyer did smartly was basically make this public campaign and compare himself to Hillary Clinton and and you know say, hey, wait, I had to serve oh. time and you know blah, blah blah blah. Look what? Why isn't Hillary in jail? And got on Fox News a bunch, um, and was actually interviewed by this very same Fox. Uh, news host, and he got, and that was the entire strategy. And you know, there he was; he got pardoned. So, he, you know, pardoned
1: by Trump. He did, yeah. Pete, uh, so Pete Heggs Hegs, seth, I guess. I say, he got, he got him. Is the Fox reporter the we've Fox, been talking correct, about? Correct, right? yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, but and, in this yeah. case, I mean, as phony as that was, in yeah. this case, it was premeditated murder right. of um, Iraqis. I think they were b- both in Iraq, I yeah. believe, at the time, uh, <laughs> and found guilty and charged. It was a military people who turned him in, the military people who tried and convicted him, mm-hmm. and then Trump would pardon them for premeditated murder?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that the... Uh, yeah, it's it's certainly a... It's a Hasn't done it yet, but right.
1: just troubling, I yeah. think, that even... But, by the way, as you point out, how the thing got started, mm-hmm. right, just because... Fox News wants it. Right. You know, Trump feels he has to act. Yeah. But the fact that he would overrule the Pentagon on something as important as this, I think, would, is pretty troubling. Yeah. Um, well, next time you're in, um, if there is a next time, yeah, guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk We'll talk about that on the podcast, if nothing else. There hey, Ryan, it's always good to see you. Great to see you as well. Thanks for coming in sure. here. Um, again, it's HuffPost. Ryan Riley at HuffPost, HuffPost.com. Our good friend Jason Dick joins us as a friend of Bill for the next hour, and we'll continue to take a look at the big news of the day here on this Wednesday, May 22nd. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of The Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support.
0: thing you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: And after yesterday, more and more Democrats lining up saying, no, damn it, we have no choice. We have to impeach him. Can Nancy Pelosi hold the line? Hello, everybody. On a Wednesday, May 22nd, Well, we'll find that out a couple of hours from now. Uh, it is the Bill Press Show, and you are welcome to the program. And we thank you for joining us on this Wednesday with lots to talk about. Uh, the House yesterday uh, dealing with the fact that uh, former White House Counsel Don McDan- McGann decided to follow the advice of the White House, or maybe the orders of the White House, um, and uh, refused to show up. Uh, They had somewhat of a hearing uh, with an empty chair, just like they had an empty chair the week before for Attorney General Bill Barr. Um, Will Robert Mueller show up when it's his turn to testify? I don't know. It's getting more and more tense. And again, more and more calls for impeachment as a result of it. we got so much to talk about. We could not do it ourselves today. We needed some help. right? So we reached out to. How about it? Here he is, Jason Dick, our good Here friend, to help. frequent guest host of the show, and uh, by the way, he has a day job, too, as deputy editor of Roll Call, rollcall.com. Hello, Jason. Hi, Bill. Yeah, how about it? It's, you know, you got to run fast to keep up these days,
6: it, right? Yeah, you really do. Uh, it it <laughs> has been uh, it, it's been a bit exhausting, uh, the, you know, starting with Monday. The, I was joking with our colleague, uh, Julie Mason, uh, yesterday that... Um, if, if things feel a little off, there's a reason for it because usually Congress isn't even in on Monday, but they yeah, but they decided right. they decided to come I in. Know, both sure. both chambers decided to come in on Monday. you know, uh, in a in a gigantic departure from typical behavior. I think yeah. so. They could leave early for the Memorial Day uh, long weekend, yeah. and and it just started. We got a you know a court decision here in Washington. A district judge here, a federal district judge, said that the uh, Mazars could not be prevented. This is the president's right. accounting firm could not be prevented from releasing records. And on and uh, on. So right. ho- ho- yeah, yeah. Ho- we oh, yeah. Oh we'll, I know. We'll
1: get into all He's of that. Peter's champing at the bit. Come, on, come champing. on,
6: champing, come champing.
1: Come on. <laughs> we'll get into all of that. But first. <laughs> <laughs> is the Full
0: Court Press.
2: All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Bill, did you watch Game of Thrones on Sunday? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever watched any episode of Game of Thrones? Hell no. All right, well, uh, a lot of people (laughs) did. A lot of people did. The final episode of Game of Thrones, we now have the numbers It brought in a series record. 19.3 million viewers watched the finale. That's amazing. Uh, The name of the episode was The Iron Throne. Uh, Now, they said the viewership for The Iron Throne includes 13.6 million people who watched the episode on HBO at 9 p.m. on Sunday night. Then, of course, there were other people who watched the encore presentation or who streamed the show. That was just the night of the episode. So it's obviously grown since then, people watching on their apps and all of that, uh, that makes it the most watched telecast in HBO's
6: history. And it's still really, really, really far below what Ma- the, the finale of M.A.S.H. was. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, by, by by like 60 million or something.
2: So if you put it mm. in, in terms mm. of like
6: today's
2: TV standards, it's still pretty big. Like the Big Bang Theory... Uh, they had uh, 18 million viewers in its finale this week. And that's but if you, free television. Yeah, that's free TV. But if you put it up against, you know, when TV was, you had like appointment viewing where you had to sit down and watch it, it really kind of pales in comparison. So, so there you go. So maybe now, Bill, you'll go back and watch some. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, why? Count, on I wouldn't <laughs> count on it. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good question. Hey, remember New Coke? Oh, yeah. They're bringing it back. No. They are bringing it back with just one caveat they can't hold.
1: I can't call it new. Anymore. They are they call calling it new, new, new Coke. Coke.
2: They're bringing it back because Old it's new a Coke? tie-in with season three of Stranger Things on <laughs> Netflix, which really tries to cash in on a lot of the nostalgia, and they feature that product on the show, so they are bringing back new Coke. Uh, you. Can- that was
1: one of the... Um- most spectacular failures Suspector, market <laughs> marketing failures of all time right
0: this is the bill
1: press show Don McGann refuses to show up okay now where's Robert Mueller let's get him in the chair he, they may be as equally unsuccessful in convincing <laughs> Robert Mueller to testify. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Wednesday, May 22nd. Here we go. Another round of the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. And thanks so much for being part of the program as we join you uh, everywhere in this great land of ours, online, on the radio, and on television. Uh, in fact, we're with you anywhere on the globe. We start out in Washington, D.C., in, cap- in our studio on Capitol Hill, And join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. On the radio, WCPT, out in Chicago and all the greater Chicago area. And, of course, on Coast to Coast, on Free Speech TV. Jason Dick is with us from Roll Call, Deputy Editor here as a friend of Bill. It's always good to see you, Jason. Thanks for coming in. It's always great to be here. Uh, Just about two hours from now, uh, Speaker Pelosi has assembled all the House Democrats together right. uh, to have a little update on how well the hearings are going. Right. This is in the wake of <laughs> uh, an aborted hearing yesterday because right. Donald again, McG- Don uh, not showing up. But, so two questions about this, at least two. One, one don't you think that Nancy Pelosi is going to hear from more and more Democrats maybe today saying, hey, we understand you want to slow... Take the slow road to impeachment, but Trump is leaving us no choice. We've got to go a little quicker. First question, add to that. She's got an eleven fifteen meeting with Donald Trump. Correct. About, because about, because it's about in- infrastructure. It's infrastructure week again. Right. <laughs> so how the hell are they going to have this caucus and then get down to the White House for an 11 15 meeting? I'm just confused here. Uh, let's start with... More Democratic voices for right. impeachment, right?
6: Right. I mean, in, including perhaps, uh, you know, there, there's some speculation that Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the Judiciary uh-huh. Committee, might be one of them, uh, saying Ooh. that, you know, the, the administration, I mean, they're, they're, this isn't uh-huh. nailed down, confirmed, you know, but there, we're seeing a few reports here and there that Nadler is among the people saying to the speaker, hey, we should consider this. We should consider at least starting an impeachment inquiry uh, that that would allow us a little more standing in court to obtain some of these documents. So that's um, an
1: interesting point, which I was talking to Ryan Riley about. Uh, I don't really understand. There's a, this term, impeachment inquiry. Mm-hmm. I think David Cicilli, Cicillini, mm-hmm. uh, part of the leadership from Rhode Island, said. Mm-hmm. We start the inquiry is a it's not the same as starting the hearings, right? Is there a difference between inquiry and hearings?
6: I, I mean it, it's it's so there's almost no real analog with the court system. I mean people you know have have likened mm-hmm. the inquiry to starting the discovery process in in a, uh, in, a, uh-huh. in, a okay. in a judicial case. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean I'm not a lawyer, so I I don't know if that actually is an appropriate metaphor. But what the what the argument is from this perspective is is that you. Um, you start an inquiry. You don't draft articles of impeachment because the inquiry could lead to articles of Got impeachment. Got it. But you just yeah. start an investigation, much like a grand jury would be convened yeah. uh, to, yeah. to to look at evidence. That makes sense. And then the you, decision should... to charge or to draft right. articles of impeachment comes later. Yeah. Okay. But that they what this so, would do is it would solidify their claim to you know that needing more information so they could, if it does go to court, and it already is in court, and it will continue to be in court because the president uh, has shown himself an adept use of the nation's court system uh, over his several decades-long career, uh, uh, it it gives them more standing.
1: Right. Uh, And as you point out, I just wanted to mention, we do know that Jerry Nadler has said flat out that the president committed impeachable offense acts. Right. uh, Right. uh, And – He's just so far said, but we're not ready to start the impeachment hearing. Um, Just like uh, Justin Amash said, I read the report, Mm -hmm. the President's Act certainly passed the threshold of impeachment. Um, And it's not a sitting member of Congress, but a former member of Congress last night, Beto O'Rourke, in his town hall out in Iowa uh, on CNN, um, for the first time, he came forward at the biggest applause line of the night.
0: Here he is. We should begin impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump. Not something... <laughs> not something that I take lightly. Uh, it's it's an, an incredibly serious, sober decision that we should make as a country. Really, the last resort when every other option has failed us. And at this point, where the president has refused to respond to any subpoena... Where his attorney general will not testify, where he will not furnish other witnesses so that we can find out what happened to this great democracy in 2016.
1: So you and I were talking a little bit before we came on the air, but yesterday the voices that I saw uh, echoing what better mm-hmm. said, I mean Dan Kildee from Michigan, Steve Cohen from Tennessee, Pramila mm-hmm. uh, Jayapal from uh, Washington State, Joaquin Castro from Texas, Katie Hill and Harley Ruder from California, Jamie Raskin from Maryland, David mm-hmm. Cicilline we mentioned from Rhode Island, yep. Mary Kay Scanlon from Pennsylvania, these are all Democrats who had before had been kind of quiet, and now they said, "Right, we got a new choice."
6: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of it's almost the uh, don't make me turn this car around or stop this car. I mean, like at a certain point, you do have to, you know, make sort of a stand unless you wanted to just be this almost you know this kind of this joke of like we're gonna subpoena and then he's gonna refuse and then we'll have an empty chair and <laughs> I mean yeah. I mean we're, we're already we already joke about the empty chairs like you know they're gonna run out of empty chairs uh, to represent all the people who aren't showing up Mueller is an interesting you know case because it the the resistance hasn't come as much from the president saying he can't testify as Mueller himself has said I don't I, I would prefer to do this behind closed doors. And so the, the the administration has not as asserted executive privilege over Mueller and his and and his testimony as they did with McGann. Uh, but that but Mueller probably, you know, he he's he's probably thinking, I thought I was over this. It's like yeah, the, you know, the yeah. line in clerks, like I wasn't even supposed to work today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um and 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 it, so but of course, I mean if it leads close enough, if they get close enough, I would expect that the president would say, No, he can't testify either. But he's already um, said he right. doesn't have a problem
1: with this testify. No. He said he would leave it up to Bill Barr, it, who has said twice, I don't have any problem with Mueller testifying.
6: Right. And then again, we'll get Publicly, to, we'll get right? to we'll get to the day of, and when we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the the folly of trying to keep track of the president's positions. Uh, I it, mean, we should not be surprised,
1: I guess, that Mueller does not want to do like James Comey did. Right, James Comey did, and come up and sort of be the big hero who testifies and spills all the beans, or even Michael Cohen did, right? right?
6: But that's not his style. Not really his thing. We didn't hear from him in almost two years, right? <laughs> And even as FBI director, I mean, he, he tried to, you know, sort of thread the needle and not, you know, not become the story himself, uh, you know, which is pretty remarkable for somebody in public service for as long as, as he was um, or still is actually, you know, technically. But he, you know, and, and he's probably aware that the. The House Judiciary Committee. I mean, the you know the sort of the little secret about the House Judiciary Committee is it is it is the island of misfit congressmen. Uh, you know, it the, you have you have some serious people on it, and then you have some clowns. And the the clowns are, you know, they, they tend to get all the headlines because mm-hmm. they you know fulminate and and necks you know and and eyes bulge and so forth when they're asking questions. You know, we've seen this with you know. Uh, However many, you know, different investigative probes you want to go back to, whether it's over Benghazi or, or questioning Comey or whatever, you get people who they, they have their stage. They know that every network is watching this and this is their chance to to sort of, uh, you know, come alive before, before the TV cameras. Yeah. And Mueller probably... Thinks I still I think that he should testify. I mean, personally, just as a yeah. journalist, as in a citizen who's in, interested in transparency, I think that he should testify, uh, just like I think McGann should. And uh, but but at the same time, I can understand the hesitancy to go in front of you know the cameras and and a bunch of uh, you know very impassioned uh, members of Congress for eight or nine hours or whatever it would be,
1: right. Uh, so getting to the um, infrastructure week, yes, it's infrastructure <laughs> week again. <laughs> uh, this is the. I do think that one of the reasons that the speaker might have called this meeting at ten o'clock is because she does have this eleven fifteen with the president, which means she's going to have to leave probably quartered at eleven to get down there and get right. through security. Right. Um, so she'll cut it short. She'll just, I'm sorry, I, I yeah, nope. just. I'm sorry. I got it. I got a thing. Yeah, I love to listen. To, you know, do you some more? I love she has to a let more speak, <laughs> like she knows how to cut it off. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, so this is the f- second meeting round of this uh, round of infrastructure talks on this season of, of infrastructure this season. Week. Thank you. Yes, right. <laughs> Where last uh, the last uh, the last time uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi went in. Trying to get this trillion dollars, and Donald Trump said, "No, well, let's do two, two trillion. trillion. So now I think the purpose of this meeting supposedly is, "Okay, where's the money, Don?" Right.
6: right. And also, he's he's already put conditions on the meeting. He he stated that before we do anything in infrastructure, you need to uh, you know put up for a vote and approve the 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 new NAFTA or whatever the new Coke uh, version uh, oh. of NAFTA. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the, <laughs> the Mexico USMCA, Canada MCA. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he, he wants that first. And, you know, so and, and again, this is not this is not uh, some sort of uh, outlier type behavior by the president. He likes to change things up. He likes to throw curveballs, you know, going into negotiations. Uh, call me skeptical. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see any breakthroughs <laughs> on infrastructure week. And, and I mean, infrastructure, you know, uh, funding coming out of this meeting, I think, that we'll see. No. And, 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 and I do think that, that Chuck Schumer no. and Nancy Pelosi will come out and say, like, we had a very productive meeting. And then, you know, Trump will tweet about, you know, they're, they're losers or something.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's a, there's a fundamental difference here between the two sides on infrastructure which uh, everybody kind of ignores, which is that the Demo- when the Democrats are talking about a trillion dollars or two trillion dollars, they're talking about government money going into Building highways, building new sewer plants, expanding airports, or whatever, right? right? Where Donald Trump is saying, "No, we'll get companies, companies, private companies to commit to spending such and such to build this road," right. Which which is a big difference because if the private companies are making the decisions, they're not necessarily going to want to build roads where they're needed. Right. They're going to want to build roads where they can get toll roads mm-hmm. and make money out of them. Or
6: yeah, th- theoretically, the reason you have a, a government entity running the process is to make sure that the number of people, the, the, mm-hmm. it, it you increase the number of people served by this. Yeah. And it doesn't just go to like the most profitable. Right. You know, and the work goes where route. it's needed. Right.
1: Right right not where right. x company can make the most money out of it right
6: and and also i mean another fundamental big, difference yeah big difference and i think another fundamental difference between the two <laughs> parties on this is that you know democrats do have a more expansive view of what that money would pay for for you know in in, in an infrastructure project including um you know schools or libraries or things like that where the republicans are typically more focused on roads or bridges or or you know that sort of infrastructure and and really don't even necessarily want to talk about like say even public transit or things mm-hmm. like that i mean that's for sissies right all right
1: so um how soon before we go to war with
6: iran <laughs> so one one of the more i think just absolutely flabbergasting sort of aspects of this is that um I don't, it doesn't seem apparent to me that Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, John Bolton, the National Security Advisor, are are actually on the same page with the President about Iran that, that, that I mean, Trump 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 to me seems are like there lots of signs
1: that they're not.
6: Yeah, and and and, yeah. that, and that Trump is using Meaning they're much more hawkish
1: right. and Trump is saying, "What do you mean war with
6: Iran?" He's like, "Yeah, you just talk some trash, you get them to the negotiating table, we have a a beautiful deal uh, that, that that we that we do with the, you know, the, the with the nuclear pact or whatever, you know, what what have you, but you put pressure on people." Um but but Pompeo and Bolton sound like they really do want to start like you know bombing the place mm-hmm. and 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 the and the thing that is you know so disturbing is you talk to I mean it, it really has ended up on this like partisan scale that you know Tom Cotton earlier this week you know said you know Iran is probably you know provoking us and they're doing all this kind of stuff and we should prepare and Ruben Gallego Democrat from Arizona you know, also a veteran. Both veterans, both served. You know, both served honorably uh, in 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 our country's wars. Uh, Ruben Gallego says that's not true. I've seen the same intel. Don't let him like do this. And 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 so now it just turns into another one of these like fights, and nobody's actually talking about like, okay, what it what does the intelligence say? Is it saying that we're involved in a bunch of like somewhat you know similar theming you know sounding. Im- incidents and skirmishes that we've always had with the Iranians where they you know like we've we've had these sort of run-ins in in areas particularly borderlands or is this actually something that is a is a you know something that would point to us going to war right. and and then you have people who have their own agendas like Lindsey Graham has always been very hawkish you know on, on going you know on on amping up the the, the volume on Iran and so it, it it's sort of you know i i think that this is just like, you know, it's, it's wa- like watching a car wreck <laughs> or watching something in slow motion where the, you may not even have the commander in chief on board with this, but you have, you know, you, you when, once you send an aircraft carrier, you know, a strike group and a bomber, you know, unit and so forth to that area, you just increase the, Absol- the, the tension. Right. You know,
1: and uh, I'll tell you what it reminds me. It really reminds me of the buildup to the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- Except but, a yeah.
2: little bit lazier, actually. A uh, little think. lazier. You're yeah. right. But, I
1: mean, they're saying, oh, we have evidence that um, Iran was re- getting ready to strike at U.S. military installations in the area. Like, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you really think Iran's that dumb, right? right. And, and I remember back in the days when Fox News used to still invite me to come in as a guest. Um, that's been a long time ago. <laughs> That uh, uh, Iran sees some of these U.S. sailors. They say inadvertently Crossing sailed, and, uh, got uh, into yeah, Iranian so, you know, waters right. and everything. I mean, so there have always been these little you know, blips, that, as you said, and out for a long time. Right. But So yesterday the defense secretary and the secretary of state came up to the Hill to brief, uh, no, not Bolton, I think it was Pompeo and Shanahan. It was, yes, yeah, P- Pompeo and to Shanahan. To brief the yeah. leaders of the House and the Senate uh, on this Iranian threat from all reports, it was a closed door meeting. Right, it didn't didn't convince a lot of people that we should be rushing into war. Right. right? Uh. So, but anyhow, Shanahan afterwards, in the defense secretary, says,
2: "Oh man, did we score? We had a very good conversation with mm-hmm. both the House and the Senate. We heard feedback that they'd like more conversation. Mm-hmm. They'd also like us to be more communicative with the American <laughs> public, and we agreed to do more of that." So you, get,
6: you give such good meeting, oh, Secretary yeah. Shanahan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's so much in that statement
1: that basically the translation is it was all BS. Right. They weren't convinced, and they said, well, you got to go out and convince the American people before you're going to get anything out of us." Yeah. Right.
6: Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, the, the, one of the things and, that my one our my my colleague Niels Lesnitsky, a, a, you yeah. know, a well, frequent guest uh, here too, uh, is is covering is the. You know the authorization of use of military force that that the Pentagon is still working on for all well, hostilities in the Middle East, you know, in in Syria and so forth, is still the 2001 authorization. Yes, passed to, to, after 9/11, know, right, to go yes. after you know the Taliban, right. in yeah. In, yeah. in Afghanistan, and you know the the a lot of you know the people in the administration and and in Republicans are saying, oh, it's good enough if we need to strike Iran, and 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 you know, the, so. That is, well, you know, it, it's sort of absurd to think that something in 2001 could still be used. And the thing that disturbs me a little bit is, yeah, and Barack that, Obama used it in Libya right. too. Yeah, no, no every, every president will yeah. will take as much as they as they're given. And Congress has really, you know, just allowed presidents to run roughshod over them from Bush, Obama, and Trump. And Trump, you know, is is a, a bit more gleeful about it, I think, than than Bush. And and Obama certainly he likes to consolidate power, but I mean he he is not alone. But the, the some of the phrasing that we saw when, when Pompeo was talking about, you know, putting trying to put Iran into the context of forty years of terrorist activity, that sounds like it could like they're shaping their arguments to say mm-hmm. because the two thousand one authorization allows us to go after terrorism. We're seeing terrorist activities with the Iranians, so we have all the authority we need. We don't need to ask Congress for war powers, even though the Constitution very explicitly states that in order to go to war, only Congress can declare war. Uh, and then you see people like Graham saying, well, if Iran attacks us, then we can defend ourselves. And yeah. it's like, well, yes, certainly. Uh, but is anybody really thinking that they're going to try to nuke us? I mean, like they yeah. so they no, I mean- like. It, it's just uh, and, you know, and Donald Trump again. A- after sort of
1: putting down Pompeo's, we're going to send 140,000 troops to the region. Uh, Trump clearly didn't want to go there, but he still said, "But if Iran does anything, it's going to be the end of Iran, right? The, the so official the, end. The official, oh, like, the ca- end.
6: yeah, kind of like the finale on Game of Thrones. This like, is the, the official, official end. Official
1: end. <laughs> it was like the fire and fury stuff he said right. about North Korea, right? At right. one time too, so, and, and and he said also. The last thing we want is to, we're not going to let Iran develop a nuclear weapon. Well, damn it, we had a, <laughs> an agreement that Iran, by the way, is still living up to. Right, with the not, Europeans. Right? With the Europeans, not to develop nuclear weapons. So if that's what he wants, then why did he cancel the Iran nuclear deal? Our role in it. I, I, it's, and, and, it's and again, here, here,
6: here's the folly of trying to figure it out. I mean, there, there, isn't, yeah. there isn't a lot of... Um, Logic and rationale to it. Other than Obama did it, <laughs> the Democrats don't want this, and I can get a better deal. I, I don't think it's that. It's much deeper than that. Uh, the, and the problem is, is that it's just incredibly dangerous, and that there are good yeah. reasons that people, you know, meticulously negotiated a pact over nuclear weapons. The, the most powerful countries on earth, you know, negotiated this very painstakingly over a several-year period of time. Uh, And you know, of course, Trump thinks that he can get a better deal out of it. He probably thought he could get a better deal out of the stuff in Atlantic City too. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Jason (laughs) Dick is with us from Rollcall dot com. We've seen this week, uh, or the end of last week, this big vote in uh, Alabama Mm -hmm. uh, on um, basically a total ban against abortion, Um, and it's accompanied by. Uh, this fetal heartbeat legislation passing in almost a half a dozen states now, and red states governors signing them. Although Louisiana Democratic governor said he's going to sign that that legislation as well. And my question to you in terms of looking at twenty twenty, mm-hmm. or, or well, look into twenty eighteen, and how badly did uh, re- Republicans did among particularly suburban women? Mm-hmm. Is this the issue they want to come? They run on on twenty in twenty
6: twenty. Uh, I don't think it's what say Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy necessarily want to uh, run on in in House and Senate elections. I think it is different in the states. I think that a lot of I mean the power has so consolidated among Republicans in in places like Alabama. Uh, and, and culturally it's just so different that that they, they think that this is a winning issue for them. Um, it, is, it It's not clear to me that it is. One thing that I keep going back to is, you know, in 2016, everybody thought they had the election figured out, um, and what they didn't account for was people who uh, would change their minds from one election to another about who what party they wanted to support, and also people who would register and become involved in the process who weren't involved before. And I and I feel like you're you're onto something that the the way to really stir up the nest, you know, is is to to realistically threaten abortion access. And because it, it doesn't it seems it seems like a very faint threat at, at, at times. But when when you see like, you know, the 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 very act of, you know, people who women who may miscarry would be subject to criminal inquiry. I mean, you, so you take one of the more tragic things that can happen to a human being um, and they have to deal with the grief associated with that. And and, and then you subject them to, you know, Somebody asking, like, was this an abortion? Did you take, you know, right. did you take some sort of, like, pill that you bought no, over I the mean, counter in in, the, in a neighboring state? I mean, this is something that where it makes The Handmaid's Tale kind of, you know, much more realistic. And that is something that I do think animates a lot of people to vote.
1: we uh, you know, there are more women who vote than men, right? Uh, more women active in politics than men. More women now running for office, you know, than ever before. It's been 40, for 46 years, right? Any woman 46 or earlier, has younger has never known in America where abortion was not legal, right? Right. right. And to, to think that they're gonna reverse that and not suffer political consequences, I just find it, I mean, first of all, I think it's wrong on the face of it, right. to denying women the control over their own bodies, right. but I'm just looking at it like politically. CBS did a poll last, uh, had a poll that they reported on last night uh, overall, sixty-seven percent of Americans just say keep Roe v. the way it is. I mean, so yeah, it, 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 <laughs> it, I think it's not it a, is a, an overwhelming right. majority of Americans who are demanding. Oh, this is terrible. We have to change it. I think you're right. Most people see it as settled law.
6: Right. They see it as settled law, and if they and if it becomes less abstract that that, that access may leave, then that probably motivates them to act. Yeah, and the last
1: numbers I saw. I uh, just looked them up the other day. I mean, women vote. I think it was fifty nine percent of women voted for Democratic candidates in twenty eighteen. Forty percent for Republican. Candidates. So there's a nineteen percent right. gender gap. Right. Already in twenty eighteen. Right. It'll be forty percent if they keep this up.
6: Uh, it it would seem so. And and this this is the. I mean, getting back to the circling back to impeachment. This is these are the sort of issues if you're a Democrat that you want to keep on the front burner. Trump and his misdeeds, particularly if you know that he's not going to be removed by the Senate or convicted, as, as it were, um, that you know the, this is what you want people to think about. They you want to keep their attention on this. Trump probably wants them to be talking, thinking about impeachment more than. Abortion, whether or not the like a uh, Supreme Court where he has put his stamp on it with two justices would right. overturn Roe versus Wade, yeah. and so you know th- those sort of issues are are the ones that Democrats feel a lot more comfortable like talking about, and so I mean, and they're real too; they're not made up, you it, know, they, like sort no, of things, they, yeah. th- that's
1: right, right. They uh, they touch and impact every woman you know in America whereas the impeachment stuff is sort of an inside baseball game here in Washington. So um, we just scratched the surface here so far, Jason, and we got another half hour to go. Uh, We need a little help. We're going to get it from Eliza Collins, uh, covers the Congress here for USA Today. Uh, Joining us next here on The Bill Press Show, you can send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. A quick break, and we will resume our conversation. This is The Bill Press Show. And on a Wednesday, May 22nd, the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, our studio in Capitol Hill, where we come to you today, in part, thanks to the great support of the International Association of Firefighters. Those of us who live in Capitol Hill know we got a fire department right across the street, right around the corner. Every time I see them run by on their way to, or fly by on their way to uh, help some family in distress... I think of them and thank them for the support of the program. They're on the front lines every day, uh, not just here in Washington, of course, in your neighborhood as well, protecting American families under the leadership of President Harold Schaedberger. And we thank them and uh, and salute them for their good work. Check out their website at iaff.org. Jason Dick with us here from Roll Call uh, as a friend of Bill the entire hour, uh, and another friend of Bill, Liza Collins, joining us at the table From USA Today, Eliza, nice to see you. Good to be here. And Jason, always good to have you here.
6: It's great to be here, Bill.
1: Uh, And uh, you all know that we're moving to a new kind of level of the Bill Press Show starting first week of June, so May 31, a week from Friday is our last regular show. Then we're going to the podcast level uh, and everybody. So I just want to mention that because we want to take you all with us and be part of the new format as well. So, if you haven't already done so, please sign up for our podcast. So, you're going to automatically move over. Go to BillPressShow.com and follow me on Twitter uh, at BP Show. And there we just will all be together in a, a new format. Right.
6: Welcome to the Brave New World, Bill. Oh, <laughs> <You right. know. laughs> yeah, I,
1: I, I have a feeling sometimes that podcast. I'm I'm like the last one to get on board of podcasts. A lot of people are doing podcasts Pod, these days. They're
5: great. You can yeah. listen to them anytime, and you don't o- need internet too. So, like on the metro. Yeah. No. That, once you download. Them, right. It's, it's anytime,
1: anywhere, which is mm-hmm. what, what's great one, about.
6: It. One of the turning points for me was uh, Mike Pesca when he was at NPR. He's one of my favorite, you know, uh, radio oh. personalities. When he started doing his podcast for. Late, and he was saying, "This is the future of radio." I w- I thought, oh, okay. I mean, because Mike is, I think, one of the smartest uh, people work- working. You know, in, one of the most popular
1: radio. podcasts in the country is the uh, folks yeah. from NPR. Yeah, you know? yeah. Who, who that? Uh, now, you both here, Washingtonians? I, Phoenicians. One, yeah, we're Phoenicians. technically both from, <laughs> from
5: <laughs> Phoenix, as we Phoenix, discovered Phoenix, right before Phoenix. the show, but yes, we live in did. Washington now.
1: My favorite moment of yesterday um, and one of my favorite moments of all time of any congressional hearing was when Dr. Ben Carson appeared yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're laughing already. (laughs) Now, he is the secretary of HUD, which has something to do with housing and urban development (laughs) and real estate. And you would think be very well informed about real estate issues. Uh, So Congresswoman Katie Porter uh, has a little exchange with him uh, Peter, if we can, about uh, Dr. Carson.
6: I'd also like you to get
1: back to me, if you don't mind, to explain the disparity in REO rates. Do you know what an REO is?
4: An Oreo?
1: R, no, not an Oreo, <laughs> an R-E-O, not a cookie. REO. Real estate? What's the O stand for? E-organization? Owned, real estate owned. That's what happens no. when a property goes
5: to foreclosure. We call it an R-E-O. <laughs>
1: Embarrassing, she sounds like a
5: teacher. Like, Doesn't she? Know? She's like, what's that stand for? No, next. Like, yeah, I, I she's had a lot of viral moments actually yeah. since coming to Congress. She flipped one of those Orange County <laughs> seats, and
6: I've, and I feel like the the it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, in in these in these oversight hearings, uh-huh. a lot of the freshman House Democrats have shown you know that that they're very serious mm-hmm. about, about conducting oversight. Their their questions are very pointed. They're on point, and. And sometimes they just even even if you want to keep them serious, they just veer into the absurd as we just heard.
5: <laughs> right, right. Like the, her questioning was about something serious right. and it ended up being about.
6: Yeah, Oreos. I mean she wasn't trying to trap him. She was no, no, no. that the
1: secretary would know. I mean are Well, maybe knows? she
5: didn't assume because when she oh. says it and then she goes, Do you know what that is? Yeah. Pretty quickly, she asks.
1: Yeah. But in the real estate world, I mean properties that are seized by a bank or something and they're and they're up for real for a, a state sale or something? That's called they're called REOs, right? See that all the time. it would you would think,
6: would think a, a reasonably educated person, particularly a cabinet level of housing even, and urban even, development, even even even, a, even the, somebody not involved in housing might know what that is. Yeah, which just I, I guarantee you, Donald Trump knows what an REO is. Well, oh, <laughs> bet
1: he's had a lot of them. Uh, so I said earlier, it just proves it doesn't take a brain surgeon to be <laughs> HUD secretary. right <laughs> Uh, now, um we talked about this a little earlier, Eliza, and you've been your latest pieces about this that the the speaker uh is got a meeting with the Democratic caucus coming up here in about a little over an hour. Uh, and the pressure is building on her, right?
5: It is it's been yesterday, really boy, interesting. the damn broke. it looked like exactly. So Pelosi has been really tamping down talk of impeachment for a long time for months and months. She said it's divisive. We've got to have Republicans on board. This is, you know, it's not smart to go down this path. And for a long time, most Democrats actually stuck by her. It was Mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Some of the most progressive members. At one point, I talked to Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, who said, yeah, I'd like to see him gone. But that's not what we ran on. We should be focusing on health care, yada, yada. After the Mueller report came out and it outlined 10 possible cases of obstruction. um, And then there were sections of the Mueller report that basically said Congress can take this on. Or at least that's how Democrats interpreted it. We saw some more Democrats say, maybe it's time for impeachment, but still not many. A very small handful of members who basically always wanted to impeach the president. Yesterday felt different. Mm -hmm. And that was when we started to see members of leadership um, say, it's time to open an impeachment inquiry. And that started because Don McGahn, the former special counsel to the president, did not show up for a hearing, and that's the White House said that he was immune because of the Department of Justice, but he didn't come, and Democrats, this he's not the first one not to show up, and so Democrats are starting to say, you guys aren't playing ball with us here, and there's some real frustration, and Monday night, some of them brought it up in a meeting to Pelosi, which I've heard was pretty tense, and um, Pelosi's people say it wasn't as tense as reported, I've talked to some Democrats who say, well, it's pretty awkward. Um... And they basically said, why aren't we doing this? And then on Tuesday when McGann didn't show up, we just saw sort of the damn break.
1: Right. Uh, including uh, David Cicilline, a Republican, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rhode Island, I'm sorry, Democrat, of course, part of the leadership. Yes. Who said almost we're to the point where we almost have to. Dan Kildee from Michigan, who sat in that chair not so long ago and told us, I'm not quite there yet, right? I understand, but I'm not quite. And I saw him yesterday on television say, we're
5: there. And you know? he's- Interesting. Some of these members who were not quite there, who are a little bit more moderate to say that they're there is really interesting. And we and I've talked to lots of members who flipped red seats over the past couple of months who have said, you know, if the uh, administration keeps stonewalling, it's going to get pretty awkward to keep saying no. And I think they're starting to feel that. They might be. If they're not there, they're getting much closer. Right,
6: and and I think that this is still the the fear among a lot of these Democrats, particularly the ones who flipped Republican seats in twenty eighteen, is that it's a it's a trap. You know, as Mm -hmm. as Admiral Akbar would say in Star Wars, you know, it's a trap. You know, like don't let him goad you into impeachment, which is what the Speaker said. Like he's goading us into this. But at a certain point, like when when somebody you know, punches you enough. You, they feel like it, they've got to punch back. Right. And and I think that that is, that is where we're at. And unfortunately, you know, for Democrats, that is probably a situation where Donald Trump feels very comfortable.
5: Exactly. I have
1: to say that, yeah, one thing that worries me about it is I think he's committed impeachable offenses, as Jerry Nadler says. But I don't think I think Donald Trump wants impeachment hearings more than anybody else. He wants them because that plays into his playbook. Right.
5: And Pelosi has said that over and over. It yeah, it's very interesting. He would
1: paint himself as a victim, you know, from now till the cows come home and love and,
6: it. And he already has too. I mean, if you look yes. at his rally yes. in, in Montersville, Pennsylvania, with, you know, this is a Republican country, you know, like in, in north central Pennsylvania, so it's not a surprise that, that he would have some enthusiastic backing right. on, on Monday night. But the way that he is sort of I, I, taking talking to his followers and saying, They're not just attacking me, they're attacking you. Yeah, uh, I mean right. the the way that he's constructed the narrative is sort of masterful in making people identify who support him, identify an attack on Trump as an attack on them.
5: And that's really interesting because uh, some of these Democrats who flipped seats said that they did it by not talking about Trump, by not yes, insulting yes, their yes, voters. I, I, and so if Trump is able to bring it full circle and say, I'm, "Well, but, they're insulting you," that's when I think some of these Democrats are at risk of losing those. Trump, Democrat voters.
1: And Pelosi has made that point over and over again, too, which is we won in 2018 not talking about Trump. We won 2018 mm-hmm. talking about health care and some of the other things we're going to do, prescription drugs, on and on. Um, Jason was saying earlier that, um, that there may be some signs that Nadler himself is softening on impeachment.
5: Opening up to it. Yeah. I mean, he said that impeachable offenses. I think the Judiciary Committee, which Nadler is chairman of, is really particularly frustrated. It's interesting to see um, because they have just been stonewalled at every turn. And, you know, Nadler has said it's we're in a constitutional crisis. He has committed some impeachable offenses. He has not outright said, let's do it. But he's going back and forth between the speaker and his committee, who is starting to feel more and more like it is time to take over the impeachment inquiry, because that would be Judiciary Committee, not any other committee, uh-huh. um, and sort of trying to be the middleman there.
1: What impact? Uh, I mean, both. What impact did Justin Amash have on this whole discussion, if any? Just,
5: so I've spent a lot of time covering the Freedom Caucus. I would say Justin Amash, while he is a founder of the Freedom Caucus, he's not. A traditional Republican, he's not a traditional conservative. What it did was it allowed Democrats to say it is bipartisan, but that's about it because he doesn't really count it's as the
1: most narrow yeah, definition of bipartisanship right, right. possible. There right. is an
5: R in front of his name, <laughs> but that is it. He is not a traditional Republican. He has, you know, questioned motives of the president before. He has no one backing him. I mean, his own Freedom Caucus members that he was a founder of this group Rebu- were criticizing, yeah. right. So I
6: and, and I think that the it, it's 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 hard to tell, you know, what history will want to pay attention to in 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 the coming decades or even centuries. But I, I feel like this this may have been and I, I don't think Amash is cynical about this. I think he I mean, my my impression of him is that he is very serious about this and was and is like, if somebody primaries me and I lose my primary big deal. Like the, the, this is what I think is the right thing to do. He's always he's defied his own leadership before. Um, on, on several issues, whether it's spending in, in particular. Right. Uh, but this is one of those moments where it's almost historic. You know, to say, say like, he was the first Republican
5: right. to, to turn uh, on this. You know, yeah. I mean,
6: this is a, you know, say, uh, this could be a Goldwater, you know, moment You know, on, I, on Nixon. Yeah,
1: I compared him, not compared him, but I, I related back to Pete McCloskey, I, whom I, I know, he's still alive from California. Who was the first Republican and only Republican in the House to come out against Richard Nixon and say Richard Nixon should be impeached? Yeah, uh, a, a Vietnam veteran, no, mm-hmm. Korean veteran, mm-hmm. Korean War veteran, and uh, he got a lot just like Amash. He was just pounded mm-hmm. by his Republican colleagues at the time, but he was he was a, a very lonely member of Congress. Right, and, he, and Amash as has Amash.
5: been a lonely member of Congress for a long time because he really has stuck yeah. to his principles when huh. many in the party has have sort of. Put themselves into contortions um, to defend the president, but well, it is a Republican, uh, yeah. so it is significant in that way.
1: Now, I was amused hearing all these people, these uh, the Democrats that we've talked about, um, lining up yesterday, and and Justin and Masha of the weekend. That uh, Congressman Al Green is not new to this fight. Uh, he has been there from the very very beginning. Maybe the first. He I don't know those, Al Green or Maxine Waters was the first one to call for impeachment. But I I was uh, amused this morning to hear uh, Al Green's comments on what we heard yesterday. Here he is.
3: A good many members are now considering joining the impeachment
1: effort, (laughs) and I salute them. I am more than honored to say that you can never be too late when it comes to being on the right side of history
5: A little little right side of
6: justice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Making friends every step of the way. Wow!
5: <laughs> Making it clear that he was uh, yeah. there. I
6: know, but it's so funny. But I welcome you in. Yeah. I don't hold he's it like an impeachment you. hipster. Yeah. Right,
2: was right. There before he was anybody else first. was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of has a hipster haircut. Uh,
6: yeah, he's got the hipster haircut yeah. and beard <laughs> hair, yeah, my, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just went by on a scooter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how
1: that. <laughs> we'll see how that meeting goes today. And as we pointed out earlier, Liza, that uh, Nancy Pelosi didn't schedule a lot of time for this caucus because she's got an 11:15 infrastructure week. Infrastructure
5: week. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's another infrastructure. I have my doubts that anything is going to get done. No. With wow. When you meet with the president Jeez, right, a after, <laughs> right it's, after a meeting on maybe to impeach the president.
6: Yeah. It's, right. it's the Phoenix Sun. It, it gives clarity. I know. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a dry heat. It's a dry rationale. You know? she, might,
1: <laughs> she might start the meeting by saying, Mr. President, i got some bad news for you. Right,
6: right. <laughs> We're going to impeach you after all. What yeah. right, <laughs> a
5: back-to-back. There. I,
1: I know, right. Or he might start out and say, so Nancy, how'd that meeting go this morning, right?
6: Yeah. No, and, and I... I would. I mean, I would. I really would love to be a fly on the wall in these meetings. Oh yeah. Because I mean, it. it you know, from uh, most, most you know accounts, the president does. You know, I mean, he fills a room. You mm-hmm. know, he, he can charm people, Democrats or Republicans. Uh, he didn't. He didn't get to where he is by being. You know, somebody who doesn't know how to read people or or mm-hmm. sort of work them. And I just I I kind of wonder what this what what could possibly be you know like going on, you know, in in, In in this room, you know.
5: Well, Pelosi, from what we have seen a few times, we have been a fly on the wall because they have televised some of their meetings. And Pelosi just like lets him have it. Mm -hmm. But it almost seems, and Democrats will say this, like that he respects her because she sort of lays back into him. And one example being that he's given everyone else these nicknames. And then he says, I just, I call her Nancy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what that, but it's interesting.
1: No, yeah. I think he's uh, he, he he's sort of buffaloed by her. He doesn't quite know how to handle Nancy <laughs> Pelosi, and I think he does have to respect her because she's tough and she's smart, and he knows that, right?
6: So, mm-hmm. and remember, in in uh, right after the twenty sixteen election, we I, I I certainly assumed that Schumer would provide the big the best foil, you know, mm-hmm. for for Trump, you know, uh, two outer borough guys, right? There were all know.
5: those stories, right?
6: And and Schumer, you know, really has has. I mean, he certainly deferred to Pelosi because she has the majority and and she actually has like more power yeah, to it yeah. to exert now, particularly in this Congress. But it does not seem like that you know that ha that has certainly not been the focal you know point mm-hmm. of of any of the ire or the or the conflict.
5: No, that's really interesting, right. and they've known each other for a long time. Long time. Yeah. yeah.
1: what did you hear um uh out of the Iran briefing yesterday by? The defense secretary and the secretary of state.
6: Act, acting defense secretary. Sorry, Remember, well, he, lo- I he loves he, it. Not yet. He's been nominated. He's been nominated. Right, I'm right, sorry. Right, he's but, not well, acting. They, yes. they like the, his actings, you know, acting chief of staff, acting, yeah, Director, right. acting
5: right. defense secretary. I mean, I think both sides walk out hearing what they want to hear.
6: Mm-hmm. It's,
5: you, you know, people are in the same briefings and Democrats say that the administration is changing the data to fit what they want to do. And Republicans are saying, nope, this is dire. We need to move forward. It is interesting hearing from Democrats because they do – a lot of them feel like there is a real threat from Iran, but, like, what – they don't like the way the administration is going about it.
1: And, I mean, I would think – is is there much hunger among Republicans for a war with Iran? No. Yeah. I mean, no. I
5: mean, there's not much hunger overall, but they're trying to figure out how to not sound alarm bells with what they're hearing – and just see what happens next but I think everyone is there's always some concern because this administration does act quickly and by this administration I mean the president can tweet right and so I think that they're at least happy to be getting some information
1: mm-hmm. um, Jason and I were talking just before you came in if you you covering Congress if you wanted to talk to um, m- many members yesterday it wasn't in the Congress that you would find them, it was across the street in front of the Supreme Court, right? Particularly, all the 2020 presidential candidates were were over there um, with a rally sponsored by Planned Parenthood to protest these latest efforts on the part of many many states to restrict or to ban uh, a woman's right to abortion. Uh, here, just one uh, Amy Klobuchar um, on the right in front of the. Uh, Supreme Court.
0: These guys think they're gonna take women's health care backward, and are we gonna let them? We
3: are not.
1: So, what do you think, Eliza? Is this an issue that Congress is going to want to pick up, or um, or that Republicans in general,
2: really?
5: Republicans do. I don't think want to touch this, except for a small (laughs) section, because like the Alabama Mm. law, really, truly is so extreme. Most Republicans do support. Um, some exceptions and the Alabama law does not have those so I think that this is not something they want to be talking about other than to say we oppose abortion but I mean we saw even President Trump over the weekend tweeting I am strongly pro-life with exceptions which sort of counteract is a, counters what actually came out so I think Democrats are definitely going to seize on this issue this is an issue that does unite the party um, and the laws are so extreme I mean it effectively banned abortion so I like you said, all the 2020 years were over there, and I think Congress. There's you know, Democratic-controlled well, House. Well,
1: we got these fetal heartbeat issues, but that takes it down to six weeks, right after conception. Which, as some people point out, a, a lot of women at that point don't even know they're pregnant. Right. 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 No, I mean, it, it's an
6: effective ban as well.
5: Exactly. So there's this slew of laws that are coming out that I think are definitely a rallying point for Democrats.
6: Well, and when you look at the timing too, like let let's let's assume that. The, you know, some, some of the people, um, you know, following the Alabama laws said that this is, this is never meant to, to be, you know, the final say on it, but it's, it's actually aimed just at Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. And then they can revisit and, and do aimed whatever the they want. Court. So let's say, you know, it starts working its way through the district court system. That takes a few months. They get a decision there. Oh, yeah. Whoever loses appeals. Then it goes right. to the circuit court level. Right. Uh, so you're talking about you're in the fall and the winter of 2019. Yeah. Circuit court uh, or a panel uh, of circuit court judges or right. the circuit or the full circuit court itself, wherever it is, renders its decision. It's immediately appealed to the Supreme Court. Then you've got yeah. <laughs> you've got the spring right. or the summer of 2020, uh, where the Supreme Court yeah is potentially uh, ruling on you know on on basically Roe versus Wade. Right.
5: Uh,
6: th- I think this terrifies Republicans, you know, when, when we were talking that, that they would be in, in a situation where they're, you know, it's, it's not really that out of reach to think that the Republicans could retake the House or that they could add to their numbers in the Senate or at least minimize losses in the Senate if the focus is on abortion. Particularly mm-hmm. in in some swingy states, right? The Colorados, like, <laughs> the main
5: these Senate right. seats that suddenly Republicans are really up,
6: for. right? The, and or and you know Arizona, Martha McSally yeah. is is running uh, for you know for re, for a election to a full term, um, you know that that changes the calculus markedly to talking about immigration or talking about like you know issues where Republicans feel very strong, because you know these things can just sort of take over and. You know that that's probably not where they want where they want right. to be heading in. You know, a few months
5: away from November well, 2020. Republicans' problem have been with women, right? 2018, women who had voted for Trump and Republicans switched to Democrats. I can't imagine that this conversation is going to help them bring over right. many women.
1: Uh, give us a uh, taste of uh, how things look in the Senate. You know, we there's all the we're paying so much attention to, as we always do to the presidential primary. Uh, obviously, you know, Pelosi is very active, saying we don't want to hold on to these 40 seats when we expand our our, our uh, control and, and margin in the in the House. Do Democrats have a shot of getting back to the Senate in 2020?
5: I would say they have more of a shot than they had last cycle. Last cycle, the map was terrible. This cycle, there are certainly some seats that are really vulnerable for Republicans. We mentioned some of them. Maine, Colorado. Arizona. Iowa, North Carolina. There's quite a few seats that are where Democrats really do have a shot. Right. So I think they, yeah. But it totally depends on the politics of the moment. There are
1: right. more Republicans' seats on the line than there were, or vulnerable than there were in 2018. Right.
5: Yes. The right. 2018 map, I think it was like 25 Democrats were up, many right. of them in states that were red states,
6: Indiana and in Missouri and and so forth. And and it's a little. I mean, it would still. I would still say it's an outside shot, but it's mm-hmm. certainly in play, and particularly. I mean, Cory Gardner in Colorado, he does not want to be talking about abortion. I mean, because, you know, he, he was able to actually keep Mark Udall at bay, you know, at, at, mm-hmm. in, in Colorado. They, it, Udall's people really wanted to talk about abortion and, and, and his and Gardner's position on abortion. And it just didn't take. Yeah. This time it might.
5: Right. Especially right. if that's the conversation because it's headed to the Supreme Court.
6: Uh, yeah.
1: I, I want to f- spend more time thinking about uh, talking about that. these Senate races because it's so important. Uh, but we're not going to do it now because we're out of time <laughs> <laughs> hey Eliza great to see you, you. Too. follow Eliza at usatoday.com and Jason Dick of course at rollcall.com thank you both thank, thank, you. thank you. you all for being here and come back and see us again tomorrow this or else
0: this is the Bill Press Show